got to separate the individual from the institution of the crown. I was just fascinated by that pageantry, you know, the colour and the spectacle of a woman who's been around for so long and she's entitled to respect as an individual. But as a representative of the crown that took away all of our country from Aboriginal people and who has failed to make her ministers give it back means that the institution of the crown, of which she is the head, has failed in their responsibility. And this came up in Tasmania uh, in her visit way back in the 1970s. So if you can imagine what it was like in Tasmania leading up to her visit, a lot of preparation was put into it. And then in the last few weeks, we realised that there were over 300 people being invited to a reception on her behalf, but not one of them was an Aboriginal. So it was an all-white affair. And we took umbrage at that and started uh, complaining that an Aboriginal representative of the original people should be invited. But the Tasmanian government refused. And from that time onward, it became a very public issue. Leading up to the Queen's visit, one of the members of government sent us his invitation and we rejected that because we thought we should be invited in our own right, uh, not as a, a substitute for somebody else. I think the reception was on about seven or eight o'clock that night or something and everybody had left work and about half past five, a government car pulled up, someone jumped out with all the big uniform and with a an official invitation to an Aboriginal representative to go to the reception. I think I was one of the few people who were still at work, which is the only reason I got to go. And we had always made it plain that the reason we wanted to talk to her was to give her a land rights petition. And the petition effectively said, you are the head of the Crown. It was under your name, the Crown's name, that my people were dispossessed of our country. You are now here on our country and we think you should be asking your ministers of the Crown to take some action to give it back. So when I got to the reception, uh, it was very plain that I was the, the least welcome person in that whole assembly. No one even looked at me, let alone was prepared to say hello. So I, I wasn't among friends. I think Prince Harry was on a higher pedestal than than I felt that night because there'd been a lot of publicity and nobody wanted any Aboriginal there. So I persisted and then next thing out comes the Queen and everybody, of course, is rushing up, bowing to her and whatever. And I thought, well, this is a lost cause, you know, so it hasn't worked. You know, I got the invitation. That's as much as I can go. So I went to turn to leave the room. I was going home and a couple of blokes blocked my way. So I turned the other way and two more chaps blocked that way and suddenly I looked around and I realised these five or six people, uh, big burly fellas in bow ties and, and all the, the rigmarole were actually police and they'd surrounded me and, and uh, wouldn't let me move while the Queen was in the room. So I was working for the Aboriginal Legal Service and had listened to the lawyers. I wasn't a lawyer then. I knew absolutely nothing about the law, but I knew that they had explained about false imprisonment. So I started stacking on a turn and saying, this is false imprisonment, you know, and put on a, put on a real kerfuffle. And next thing, 
Bruce Montgomery from the ABC shoved his microphone over the shoulder of these fellas and asked, Michael, what's happening? And so I, I told him, which went to air the next day all around Australia. So it became a sort of a national story. But in the meantime, the, the Queen's secretary could see that there was something going on. Everybody's attention was being diverted away from the Queen to me. So he came over and the police moved away. And what's this about? And I told him, I told him that. I was here to petition the Queen, told him about the theft of land and she was responsible official. She should do something about it. And so as a result of that, they took me through the throng, pushed everybody else aside and I got an audience with the Queen. Much to the absolute hatred of all the other patrons who were there, you know, were all trying to line up to say hello to her. It was a very short conversation. She was obviously a, a great diplomat. She had a lot of experience because when I started explaining you and your crown have taken my people's land off, you know, we think you should be doing something to make your ministers. And of course, the Premier standing there while I'm delivering this, you should be telling your minister here to hand the land back. She deftly changed the conversation onto some artefacts that I had. Uh, it was very clever of her to get away from the politics of land rights onto discussing cultural items. And the reason I took the artefacts there was tongue-in-cheek. I was offering her the sort of trinkets and beads. Here, you take this as a gift from Aboriginal people. In exchange, you, you make sure that we get our land back. So that's the way it panned out, although had it been left at that, there would have been publicity and not much more, you could say. But I was the only Aboriginal out of all the guests who was invited to attend, but who was surrounded uh, by police. Nobody else was. And on top of that, when I left after talking to the Queen, I was pulled up at the car park by police again, and my car was searched, obviously with the intention of trying to find something in that car that would justify their earlier behaviour. And so that became another story in itself about the attitudes and the treatment of Aboriginal people by police, which was different to the way other people get treated. You've got to remember that the lands that were stolen from Aboriginal people are not called vacant Aboriginal lands, they're called Crown lands. We also need to remember that the Queen is very much part of the Australian Parliament. The executive power of the Commonwealth is vested in the Queen and is exercisable by the Governor-General as her representative. So no one can say that the Queen or now the King has no responsibility for undoing the things that were done in the name of the Crown. It's all very well people say, oh, well, that was all done a long time ago. But the land that belongs to us is still called Crown land, and we still don't have ownership of it. So there's a lot of unfinished business between Aboriginal people and the Crown, and the ministers of the Crown are the ministers at the state, the territory, and the federal level. And it's their responsibility to act on behalf of the now King of England to do something to redress the injustices that the Crown have perpetrated on Aboriginal people.
If you look at the history, every time the status of Australia changes, Aboriginal people are the ones who are the losers. For example, when the colonies of Britain agreed to make a federation of states under the Commonwealth of Australia in 1901, the only references to us were negative. Aboriginal people will not be counted as part of this new white nation. Um, Aboriginal people were not entitled to vote. Um, and there was an opportunity when the white people of Australia said, well, look, we want to change the status of this nation from British colonies to a new nation of Australia. There was an opportunity for them to say, but first of all, we have to deal with Aboriginal people because we haven't dealt with them very well. And we have to talk to Aboriginal people and ask what it is they want. And it was pretty clear that we wanted our land back and that we wanted control over our own affairs and so on. So that didn't happen. In 1967, when the referendum was changed, again, there was an opportunity for the people of Australia not just to vote yes, yes, to change the constitution and give the Commonwealth the power to make laws for Aboriginal people, there was an opportunity to do something more substantial. But it didn't happen. And even now, with this discussion about a voice to Parliament, which is just an advisory body, why are we talking about an advisory body that's got no power, cannot hand the land back, cannot pass any laws that are binding on white people, uh, doesn't have any control over its makeup, cannot distribute resources on behalf of Aboriginal people. Why are we so intent on setting up such a weak body instead of dealing with these more substantive matters like having all the Crown lands returned to Aboriginal people? The fourth uh, status of Australia is moving away from uh, a constitutional monarch to be a republic. That should not happen until the business, the unfinished business with Aboriginal people is finalised. And there's no indication yet that that's going to happen. So uh, just as an overview, Michael, you know, I mean, what I'm interested in, uh, and I'll, I'll be ringing a few, uh, you know, a few people just trying to get their views. I mean, I had obviously some great interviews with Jack Charles about the Queen. Uh, he was uh, very forthright and right up until the end. Um, but there are still uh, obviously those on the right side of politics who uh, are keen uh, to... Um, push, you know, everything about the, you know, the British royalty and, and its connections to Australia, again, for the wrong reasons. I mean, how, could, could you just encapsulate why some people are obviously feeling that way, but there's still the, the big questions, like you've mentioned, that haven't been answered. So where does that leave Aboriginal people today? Yeah, well, I think the problem is that we need to separate the personality from the institutional role of the monarch. Um, it's all very well to uh, like someone and, you know, what you see about them on TV and when they come to the country. But on the other hand, they are representing 
all of the things that were taken away from Aboriginal people, and they have a responsibility as the head of that institution to take action or insist that action is taken to redress the wrongs. And I think as long as we separate those two matters, that is, the personality from the, the political function that uh, the kings and queens play, um, then I think it's much easier for people to see uh, what it is we expect from the Crown as distinct from expecting from an individual who uh, happens to be ahead of the Crown. Yeah, OK. Anything else you wanted to add, Michael? Gee, you've exhausted it all there, Paul. Uh, well, yeah, but, you know, like I said, I, I'm just trying to get a balanced view out there for, mm. you know, people. I mean, you know, there are a lot of older Aboriginal people who are, you know, quite upset and teary and uh, you sort of, you know, you don't want to upset them even more. But, yeah. um, you know, the <clears throat> I, I think when you start looking at what's happening, you know, from all the Commonwealth, not all, but a large majority of the Commonwealth countries now that went through any form of conflict, war with Britain, they're all really looking at, at some form of at least acknowledgement from the from Britain what they did did happen and shouldn't have happened. But uh, as far as re, uh, compensation of any form, I, I, I think that's a road that the British government <coughs> is not interested in going down. Mm, mm. So... As I said, I mean, it's it's hard, you know, the the big questions are there, but obviously at this moment of, you know, loss and grief of the, the person, um, it's hard to get a, a, a good discussion, a, an in-depth discussion um, about what it, what it was and what it is. And, you know, exactly the same with Albanese. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's rolling, he's uh, riding the, the wave of public sympathy but not thinking that exactly as you're saying, well, uh, what else was done under the name of the Crown? I need to start looking at this, but he's not. Well, no, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. Most of the uh, uh, government's uh, ministers and and parliamentarians on both sides um, were not forbidden to do interviews, but I think there was a a request sent out to wait until the Queen was actually in the ground buried before they start talking about it. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's been two weeks of very little conversation at this level. Indeed. Yeah. Mm. But, okay, mate. Well, look, I'll let you go. You can go and have a coffee now. <laughs> Righto. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> I'm going to have Talk one. Talk to you later. Yeah, you keep well, mate, and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. See you.